0: Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern-day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, Change instigators and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive, and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love, and achieve lasting transformation. So, join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. As a way to thank our guests for their time, energy and wisdom, we would love to demonstrate our appreciation for gratitude and admiration. We would love to hear from you as to what was your key takeout from today's session by writing a review in Apple Podcast with our guest's name and insight. And when you do... Please make sure to take a photo and send your photo to support at catherineplano.com.au and you will receive a one hour life coaching session for free valued $500 to help you change your life for the better or to help you get unstuck if you are currently going through a transition or if you need a little motivation. Thank you. This week, as always, we have a super, super, super amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Maria Brito. Maria is an award-winning New York-based contemporary art advisor, author, and curator. A Harvard graduate, originally from Venezuela, her first monograph, Out There, published by Pointed Leaf Press in 2013, was the recipient of the Best Book Awards in both the Art and Design categories. In 2015, Brito was selected by Complex Magazine as one of the 20 power players in the art world and in 2020, she was named by Art News as one of the visionaries who gets to shape the art world. She has written for publications such as Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, L. Forbes, uh, Curated Magazine and the list goes on. For several years, Maria has taught her Creativity Course in Companies and in 2019, she launched Jumpstart, an online program on creativity for entrepreneurs based on years of research and observation in both the areas of business and art. She has worked on product collaborations with artists such as Kenny Scarf, Eric Parker, Catherine Bernadette, Nia Horde and many more. In 2016, Maria curated Greek Gotham presented at Dio Horia Mykonos with the participations of 16 New York-based artists. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. and Enjoy! Well, today we have another amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Maria Brito. Welcome to I Am Woman Project.
1: Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited to have, the, have you on the show. And the way that we start is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So, you, so Maria, tell us what inspired you to do what you do today?
1: Oh, that's a a very interesting question because I was born in a very conservative family in South America, in Venezuela, and I wanted to pursue a career in the arts. Either I wanted to be a performer or I wanted to be a fashion designer. And in my parents' views, that was not allowed. I could only be an attorney or a physician or an engineer. And so after many years of hearing the story and brainwashing, I actually went to law school and I went to Harvard Law School and I graduated in year 2000 and I moved to New York and worked in several corporate law firms and hating it. And uh, But I, at the beginning, I was kind of trying to give it a chance and I had invested so much time and, and money in getting my degree and whatnot and passing the bar and things like that. and. So I I just let time go and go and um, I got married and had a child and when my child was born and I saw him, I said, no, I'm not going to do this to him. I have to show and lead by example and I have to do what fills my heart with joy. So um, I quit my job in the big law firm and I went with my heart and I opened an art advisory company, a curation uh, of art in art collections that's what I do I build art collections around the world and I did not have any proper arts background and I didn't have any connections in the art world and or any formal training and so I decided that I wanted to do it because I had I had been buying art myself when I was an attorney and because also even though my parents and grandparents did not believe that I An artistic career was for me, they instilled since I was very young, this idea that art cultivates and art is very nurturing and we should all go to galleries and museums and visiting artists and things like that. So that was very incredible because it gave me a practical foundation that I used to launch my, my company and my business Uh, with very little resources at the time and as I'm telling you nobody knew me nobody had uh, a clue who I was and I also didn't know the ins and outs of the business and it's been 13 years and I now have a seven-figure company and uh, a name that has a strong reputation that people trust and believe around the world so I think that's uh, my unique story.
0: Oh, I love that! And um, Maria, my husband is also from Venezuela, from Caracas.
1: Oh wow, that's a very small world,
0: Catherine. I can't believe it. I know, I know. His mother actually—I uh, think it was last year. She was she was actually stuck here for. Uh, almost like nine months to get back because the way she flies back um, I think she had to go through Colombia and ov- obviously we had to wait for the borders to open up before she could go back but yeah it took some time for her to go back but um, yeah but yeah interesting it's not very often you meet people from Venezuela.
1: No and I'm actually from Caracas well I think that the United States has a lot of Venezuelans I think it's harder to find them in Australia because it's so so far mm. but um, I'm so pleased to know that you're married to our fellow Venezuelan
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely so Maria I'm really curious when you were talking about like nobody knew me and I know there's a lot of uh, women in business and a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show how did you go about um, expanding your brand so that you started being this uh, massive brand that you are today
1: Uh, When I, first of all, I I decided that I wanted to do a company that had a different angle. And so this is like the differentiation for me was that I came in as a blank slate because you can't, it's very hard to disrupt an industry that has been paying your bills because you already are so used to certain ways and seeing certain things. And when you've been for too long in a specific industry, you start developing blind spots. And this is why I am such a huge proponent on people's creativities and developing them and helping them find the best of what they have. And when I, when I decided to, to open the business, I wanted it to be very democratic. The art world has been considered for years as obscure, opaque, difficult to penetrate snob is is currently the art market is a 50 billion dollar global business. Uh when I started it was 30 billion. So it basically doubled itself in the span of 13 years, which is crazy if you think about it. And I I I wanted to to do uh blogs, I wanted to write for magazines, I wanted to I wanted to go into people's homes and I wanted to have an an idea of who they were and combining the essence of those people with their furniture and kind of like creating all these conversations around art and the other people who were art advisors at the time weren't necessarily like I was and were not invested in building social media audiences and followings or writing blogs, or it was very transactional, like, okay, I'm going to work with you as a client, I'm going to buy or find art for you and you're going to pay me a commission or whatever. So I saw that as an opportunity for me to come in and be different and kind of create a much bigger dialogue. And as soon as I opened my company, which basically was, you know, I paid someone to help me with a website, I paid a woman to help me with messaging. As soon as I opened the business, I started posting on Facebook, posting on Twitter, writing blogs and look I mean it was very ugly at the time to be honest with you I look back and I said oh my goodness how I put this content out and it's not as sophisticated as it is today the platform that I was using was blogger which I don't even know if that exists anymore but it was so terrible but I was determined and I I think that when I started talking about democratization demystifying the art world I probably wrote like you know 30 or 40 different articles for different publications at that time, ranging from Elle to Huffington Post about how to start your art collection, what to do with your art. so that started building a lot of presence for me. And the trick was I knew my messaging really well. The second thing is I knew I was very different. I was different in the way I dressed, you know, like I wear a lot, of, lots of people in the art world for some reason wear black. I think it's not to compete with the art. I was wearing like head to toe, full of colors. I was talking with so much enthusiasm about what I wanted to do. I, and the, the, the other thing is I had no preconceptions and I had no enemies and I had no stories. You know what I mean? Sometimes when you, as I said before, it's so hard for people to disrupt the industries where they are already a part of because they have too much background information of everything. So for me, it was a blank slate. If somebody said, oh my God, don't go to that dealer because he is nasty or whatever. I don't know, I'm gonna try myself, right? I I, I didn't know what they meant by a person being nasty. So I was very, first of all, I was very authentic and I was very myself. And second, I just allowed for things to happen without having a predetermined idea of how that person or artist or whatever. And I think the the other thing I did was like, I showed up. You know what I mean? I went everywhere. I went everywhere that I needed to go. I went to every art opening. I went to every auction. I shook hands with everybody. And then it occurred to me that I wanted to start documenting artists' processes. And that actually was a very important um, step because it not only has given me an enormous joy and it has taught me so much, but it also allowed me to offer a different type of content to my audience, which was this artist studio visits that I was going, that I was writing about, that I was documenting. I was taking pictures and little by little years down the line, the pictures became videos and then the videos became a TV show. So that's kind of in a nutshell how I did it for myself. And, and really, it's all about showing up and it's all about differentiating yourself from your competitors and the crowd.
0: Oh, I love that. I love the fact that it is a, it is a matter of showing up and I think sometimes... A lot of us get in our own way of showing up, whether it's writing a blog, whether it's networking, whether it's like you said, you you were going to all these places and shaking hands. But also, Maria, it also sounds like or felt like when you were talking about you know walking to people's homes that you really got to know them, really understand who they were, uh, how to look at their um, their environment. Like it was there was a real personal approach to it all.
1: Yes, and I think that was very welcomed. You know, I was, I was authentic. I was fun. Um, I was open. I was allowing people's uh, own personalities to shine through. And when I started, I, as I told you, I had just given birth to my child. And then uh, like a year after, I was pregnant again with my second. So a lot of the interactions that I did, I was pregnant. So people thought it was kind of cute in a way. That I was starting a business, I was pregnant, I was trying to break through an industry that is the snobbiest, or it used to be the snobbiest, and and the hardest thing to penetrate. So it, it was a lot of things that that I think were a combination of of like being young or younger than I am right now. Being naive and in in that drive and desire that there is no other option because I had already been a corporate attorney, I had already gave my fair share of work and sweat and 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 contribution to something I hated. I was not gonna go back to school, and this had to work, you know I was like. If this doesn't work, I don't know where I'm going to go, right? I mean, I I don't have a plan B. This has to work. And it has to work first because I love it and I am passionate about it. And it brings me enormous joy to be in this environment working with art and artists and having, you know, to get clients and to to hustle, right? And to be uh, the embodiment of that word of entrepreneur, but also the embodiment of creativity and leadership and being resourceful so i claimed those words and what they meant for me and i embodied that and when you said you know like being a real person i embodied all the qualities that that i already had but that i knew that this time we're going to be valued because in law firms you don't need to be unique you don't need to be uh, stand out with your clothes you don't need you know all those things were kind of like on the other hand repressed so being my own best self was definitely a very important and key part of of this whole story.
0: Mm, I love that. And you actually talked about, before you were talking about disrupting an industry. So how do we encourage our own disruptive thinking and come up with new ideas like you did? What was your trick? Is there a step-by-step approach or what what was your process?
1: Well, I think that you know, disruption and creativity is not one thing. It's an amalgamation of a variety of different skills, right? And that this is where most people get tripped up when they say I'm not creative or I was not born with the creativity gene or I'm not I don't have a right brain or whatever. This is this is all false because As human beings, we are already born extremely creative, but as we are exposed to media and formal education, we start losing our creativity. So one of the most important things is to start losing preconceptions about everything and to try to expose ourselves to the most amount of different disciplines that we can. So... If you are an accountant and you want to disrupt your field, you might as well be paying attention to the arts and go to museums or play games with the Google art projects that I tell my students, go to the Google art projects, choose paintings from the Renaissance with people and start describing them to yourself in silence, little by little, like what color is the skirt of the woman? What, where is the light coming from? Uh, paying attention to details is extraordinarily important if you want to disrupt. And also, the other thing that is is crucial is paying attention to the margins. As I mentioned to you, when I started in this business, Instagram did not exist. For example, the art market was thirty billion; it was really big. But now it's almost twice as much, and there were no um, mainstream websites showing art. For example. There were no e-commerce with art, none of that, right? And I I sensed because of my observations that there was going to be a revolution and that it was going to start with social media, which it did. It started with Instagram and it, that it was going to allow for the democratization of, of, um, of the art world. But if you think back, you had to be paying attention to what was happening in the margins. And when, when Instagram launched... Not everybody joined. I mean, they launched with a very big fanfare and whatnot, and they had already gotten seed money from venture capitalists, but not everybody was paying attention. And not everybody understood how to harness the power of that, those images at that time. And I sort of like immediately made the connection because I was paying attention to both the fields of technology and social media and the art world. And another thing that I, I, you know, I think it's important, for example, when, when I say pay attention to the margins is usually big, big things happen in places where you're not paying attention to. When hip hop, for example, Was starting. It was a movement in the Bronx in New York with 10 people playing music in someone's house and in street parties where they would just let somebody rap on a mic and somebody would like dance. And there was some elements of the kind of background music incorporated. And this was extraordinarily marginal. There was nothing else like it. And today, hip hop is one of the most mainstream sounds, not only in the United States, but it's like its biggest. Export commodity besides all the things but hip-hop is is so American and It has brought billions and billions and billions of dollars and not only the music but merchandise Looks styles and things like that. So if you like all the producers and all the record labels that were paying attention to that back then got into were the first people who benefited from this and got loaded because they were paying attention to the margin. So you disrupt when you are able to make a connection between things that you don't necessarily see in plain sight, you have to make the connections and then the, the outcome will come. And that's pretty much what, what disrupting something is, right? It's, it's seeing the possibilities where at the moment there are none.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. And I even like the way that you were describing, even if you're an accountant, just to have a look at the painting and really get into the painting. Um, Sometimes I do that with coaching. I'll use... Uh, pictures for them to solve a problem in a very creative manner Uh, and these pictures are beautiful but what it does it gets them lost and loosens the boundary of the problem and really expands the mind in a very creative way so I love the way that you describe that looking at the painting what colors her dress or skirt where's the light coming from I think that's amazing. Before we came on the show Maria you were talking about Pivoting your practice, so for those people yes. those entrepreneurs those those individuals in business, how does one do that and and really linking it to creativity the way that you described that I thought this would be perfect for us to really unpack. Did you want to talk us through that?
1: Sure you know I think that in the um, day and age where we live, the pivot it's actually it's not even optional you have to do it and you have to cons- it's like constantly readjust your strategy and move things around in your business, in the products and services that you offer, in the way that you do your marketing strategy, your social media strategy. And the, the reason is because we are facing so many changes at all levels. Um, that encompasses societal shifts, political shifts, um, you know, tech, tech and how tech has you know, artificial intelligence and all those things are taking over our lives. And I think that, first of all, if you have that sense that you have to be adjusting and pivoting almost every time, and that's the truth, I mean, not so much that people lose their idea of who you are, or what you do, but sufficiently so that you're sort of like catching up to the demands of the marketplace. That is the first step is like knowing that it doesn't really matter how many business plans and how many, or how good things can be at any given time, you're going to have to shift. And the, the most important, I I would say that the most, or, or the, the crucial thing after knowing that piece of information is that you've got to build that pivot on what it already exists. And for, a lot of people, they don't they don't necessarily process that information really well. Sometimes you have to cut part of your business because it's just the headaches are greater than the return. Sometimes you just have to take what it is that is in place and adjust it to the situation. For example, I, I love this example. I don't know if you know the story of Play-Doh, but Play-Doh was a company that was originally started by a family in the United States, in Cincinnati, and they wanted the the product was to, it was a putty that was used to clean the chimneys and the fireplaces, because that's how uh, the putty was absorbing or, you know, picking up on all the dust and all the black things and the ashes and whatnot. And when fireplaces were replaced by electric heaters, then the company started to dwindle and one of the owners of the company called his kids and the kids told the parents you know we read somewhere that children were playing with putty and they were using it to create shapes and whatnot and that was the moment where the putty was actually turned they took away everything that could have been toxic they uh paint they, they used dye to create different colors, and that's how Play-Doh was born. And today is one of the, I mean, most iconic brands in in modern history, and has sold. I don't, I think it's something like ten billion cans of Play-Doh have been sold. So I like the idea of of not necessarily throwing away everything, but building up. And the same happened to all the companies in Japan. Not all the companies, but companies like Toyota and Suzuki. Those companies were. Um, Companies were were uh it it was all about utilizing the machinery for for weaving and 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 the owners realized that that was not going to be the future anymore and they turned their companies because they already had the machine the machinery and the know how into companies that manufactured motors and then from motors it was cars and motorcycles so you already have a foundation of what you know best or the things that you actually have a passion for or a skill set for. And it's it's about paying attention to what is the demand. And, and a lot of people are so um, confident in a way that they don't need to pivot. Like it happened to Blockbuster, for example, that, it, you know, they said it's, we're never going to go out of business. People are going to come here all the time and get their uh, their DVDs or their, you know, VHS tapes or whatever. And this is how people are going to watch movies. And we don't ever think that people are going to turn into a Netflix service, right? So if, if you're not really paying attention to reality, I think reality bites. And that's like, that's when things... Um, that's when things started to happen so pivoting is, is a part of how we live today and you got to embrace it as an entrepreneur business owner or as a or even as a business manager you know you've got to con- consistently and continuously if you're inside of a big company pivot your business
0: it's so true and as I'm, I'm listening to what you were saying it's really about Letting go of what is not working and build up with the things that are working. And I think, and I see this a lot in with the entrepreneurs, they hang on to things because they just love what they do, but it's not really uh, working in their favor. And like you're saying, they're not conscious of what's happening in the market. So they're, they're very foveal in their focus. So I, I love the way that you explain that. And I think it is about letting go um, and as a way to pivot your, your, your practice. And I think we've all had to do that in the last couple of years with all the stuff that's been going on. I think we've either had to pivot our business in some way, shape or form.
1: Yes. And you know, I think that entrepreneurship is very personal, but business is not, if that makes sense. Because when you are an entrepreneur, especially a young entrepreneur, Or a first-time entrepreneur, you are very married to your ideas and to your business and to the products, services, and divisions. And the it's painful for any business owner to have to cut a division or to have to cut a product or to after having, let's say, spent a few years doing something really successful, to have to transition to to turn it into something else. But the the truth of the matter is, is that it's necessary because that's the nature of how things are. And there are certain places where businesses can hold on to old school ways of doing things for a little longer. Um, Europe is one of them, but not for too long. They absolutely have to transition into, into new ways. And I don't know if you are familiar or remember the story that when Instagram which is, I think, 11 years old now, launched, and it also had a momentum, let's say, a year after, the big fashion houses in Europe, Hermes, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, they were not a part of Instagram. They say, I will never be a part of that. You know? I'll never open an Instagram account. I'll never do anything with that. And they actually missed a window of opportunity to capitalize. Now they all are a part of it, but they they miss an opportunity to capitalize on early adoption for about three or four, I think about three or four years. And uh, can you believe that?
0: Mm, I know. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yes, it is crazy. It is crazy because uh, I think that now they have entire social media teams. Now they are on TikTok, you know, so, but it took them so long to get onto something that was not just a passing trend if you know what i mean mm. and this is and this is the thing if if people are aware that certain moments have a lot of weight to them certain uh historical moments or certain pivotal moments just to actually use the same word there are certain pivotal moments in history where we have to Compromise or negotiate with ourselves because certain things people don't like to do appear at the end and certain things are just more added more work, right? And one of the things that comes to mind as well is now we're living in the era of the podcast. And before the podcast was the era of the blogging. And so if you want to pick and choose, that's fine. I don't have and I don't host my own podcast, but I'm very interested in talking to people and I listen to podcasts and I'm a guest on podcasts and I don't dismiss the strategy at all I just I feel I'm better as a writer and as as you know I'm sending my newsletter every week and things like that than if I were to be on a microphone I think that's a very specific skill set that I need will need to develop but what I'm saying is it is super important to to be alive today and now to see what's happening around you. Because if you want to impose a whole set of rules to society that do not necessarily belong to the here and now, you're going to suffer a little bit.
0: Mm, I love that. And it is, and we, even now when we're looking at the, the um, I guess the current terrain um, everything is is online. Like f- with all these lockdowns, I know that we've yes. all had to pivot our business and start uh, doing everything online and virtual and and so forth. So you know, there's that you can see that. There, you've had to, we've all had to be very creative in our thinking and how do we move forward? So I love the way that you describe that. So Marie, before we came on the show, you were talking about your program. I'd love to sort of unpack that as well um, and uh, share a little bit about your program, if that's okay.
1: Sure. Of course, Catherine. The program was born out of a desire of me to give back to our community because everybody or a lot of people came to me and said, Maria, how do you build your business? Maria, how do you build your brand? Maria, how are you so creative? How can you come up with so many ideas and actually execute them? Because one thing is I have an idea. And then the second thing is, and I make it happen. And that's the truth for me. If I have an idea and I, and I see it feasible because it's when my ideas are not like Richard Branson's ideas and Elon Musk, like I'm going to go to to the moon with all of them, right? Like, I mean, my ideas are things that actually I can make happen within my industry and within my sphere of control. So uh, my creativity course was born out of the desire to give my methodology to people and to also intertwine that with what I have learned from both artists and entrepreneurs, because I have worked with hundreds of business owners and a ton of people. And, but I have also worked with 450 different contemporary artists from all over the world. Some of them are really, really famous and very, very wealthy. And I said that the word wealthy because I think also we have to stop with the stigma of the starving artists. And we have to acknowledge that artists nowadays are people with an enormous control of their finances, of an enormous control of their image. They are doing extraordinary partnerships with athletes, with brands, with you you name it. And so what I've learned from artists is that they don't have rules. They don't have rules in the sense of like whatever they want to create, whether it is a canvas or a digital asset or a piece of sculpture, they can do it. Right. And so this is how we start is like having this kind of like no boundaries mind and we take it from there. And that's how we once you have cast such a white net of like no boundaries, then you bring it back to make sure that you select things that make sense for your business and for your life and for your career. So the, the program is uh, divided into four modules and each module has between six and 10 short videos that people can watch at any time. They can rewind, fast forward. There is a progress bar in every part. It's super tech Uh, sophisticated, but at the same time is very intuitive and easy to use. And I also give bonuses with interviews of creative people and a creative money mindset bonus, because it was also important for people to understand that the word creative and money are not exclusive of each other and business is uh, deeply intertwined with people's ability to innovate and to come up with better ideas and to put them in the the world. And that's what I say, execution is so crucial. It's not just the idea. So this this course is about teaching people how to use their internal creative resources better and how to execute those ideas. And I'm super proud of it because my students get incredible results out of it.
0: Oh, I love, we can go in many directions here. I loved the fact that you talked about your methodologies. The one that I guess you spoke about was no boundaries. Um, that that one is uh, an interesting one. When you're saying no boundaries, are we talking about uh, dipping our toe and trying things out?
1: Well, you know, exploration is actually a crucial phase, and exploration is a it's one of the most important phases of anybody who's creative. Whether you're a scientist, an artist, an entrepreneur, a business owner, right? And uh, the face of exploration. It's a little bit related to what I was talking about before. You have to go into many different disciplines, not randomly, but as someone with a, a strong desire and curiosity to learn from other areas that are not necessarily where you are an expert. And this is super important. And it's also very important in business teams, in companies. There is a recent study that actually proves the, the, that the most creative people do have intense phases of exploration and it can also be a, a phase of exploration within your own uh, industry or practice but where you actually get yourself out of the comfort zone and you try a bunch of different things right if like they say I always tell my students if it is not against the laws of nature and if it is not against the written laws what is keeping you from doing it right so um, the, the no boundaries also relates to having a vision. When Steve Jobs came up with the idea of the iPhone, all his engineers, everybody told him he was crazy and it was going to be impossible and it was not going to happen to integrate all the many things that happen in an iPhone in such a slim and simple but elegant, completely integrated, seamless design. and if you think about it, now we take it for granted because so many of us have an iPhone, but you have to understand all the things that needed to happen prior from the touch screen to the integration of the apps to the mechanism inside. I mean, these little things can do so much. They have cameras. You can talk to someone in the other side of the world via FaceTime, and it, like it's just incredible. So having a vision, like the vision he had, even though... Everybody, all his engineers, the design people, told him this is not happening. It's not possible. And you know, people used to tell him he had a reality distorted field, and he actually did. But he made things happen because if you don't have a big vision, a bi- a vision that is so wow that you, you know it's, it's even scary, you don't know how you're going to get there, then you're in. You can't really have a business with impact. Then you can't really disrupt. Then you cannot really be creative because. So your field of vision has to really be something that hasn't been done before
0: mm that's so true and you also mentioned about um creativity and money don't you know yes cause it is it is a, a it is a mindset shift because you do you i don't know if I think about the starving artists I mean you saw them all the time because i'm French my, and um and uh you know i remember uh Years ago when I went back to France, I have all my family there. And you do see them out in the street painting and so forth. So there is this image that comes up when you think about uh, creativity and money. They kind of don't go hand in hand. So talk us a little bit more about that.
1: Well, I think that first of all, let's talk about a a rather uh, encompassing concept of creativity, which is coming up with ideas of value that bring novelty and relevancy to anything that you do. And that's it. As simple as that, you know, coming up with ideas of value that bring novelty and relevancy to anything that you do. And that's from the dentist to the guy who does landscaping. Okay, anybody can be creative. The second thing is uh, how the term creativity has a direct relationship to people in the arts. It's because that's how the term originated. And that's how it ended up showing up in the English dictionary. It had a lot to do with art and artists throughout history. And, you know, we give that connotation. But the the truth of the matter is that, as I said before, the greatest artists in history ranging from Leonardo da Vinci to Pablo Picasso were great entrepreneurs and they were not wealthy. And this have had people come to me, yeah, Picasso was rich. Picasso made his fortune by really being extraordinarily prolific. And if Picasso were to be alive today, he would be one of the top 10 richest men in the world along Jeff Bezos and uh, Elon Musk, he would be. Uh, And, you know, why do I say this? And, And first of all, I have spent an inordinate amount of research uh tracing back in history how this artist lived and made their money. Yes, of course, there were others who were drunk and they were crazy people, unfortunately, like Van Gogh who was bipolar and committed suicide and that that happened too but the the reality is that today, and I actually am in this industry there has never been a better time to be an artist because the appetite for art the market the the youth the the you know the the momentum the 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 people wanting to partake of the art world to get a painting to to be engaged in the in the social and the cultural conversation it's something that is unprecedented and it's global we have people in china we have people in russia we have people in the middle east we have everybody in the united states i mean like it's getting bigger and bigger by the day and obviously it's totally fueled by social media and this is you know where people start seeing things pattern recognition they start following artists they start seeing that they are everywhere or that you know this and that collector bought it and so now we also have the world of nfts where artists don't even have to do i mean much other than creating a digital asset or a video and backing it up by minting it on the blockchain and creating an nft and selling it to anybody they want and putting things out on you know public platforms where people can go and buy nfts so there are many ways of being an artist and all these artists are making money and um, creativity and business should not be separated. I know a lot of people feel that the world of their art is too precious and pure. And well, you know, that's a way of thinking. I am not going to disrespect those people at all because I understand that that's the way they think. However, there are for, for each one of those that are 10 who are actually monetizing and, building lucrative careers out of being entrepreneurs out of uh, putting themselves out there being curious building teams a lot of artists have studios where they employ you know five ten people who do different things uh, and they get their businesses going like businesses and their their profits are insane because if an artist can produce two paintings and sell them for half a million each and the gallery keeps half, you know, I mean, it's an insane amount of profit. So this is happening all the time and I see it all the time. And I know that there will be people Oh, but I'm an artist and I don't, I don't make any money and this and that. And I, my heart goes out to those people, but there are channels. I mean, people are getting found on Instagram everywhere around the world. When they post their works, when they use the hashtags, people are getting found everywhere. And, you know, now the the all the channels exist for that reason so that you capitalize on them. If you if you don't want to be on them, if you don't want to put yourself out there and that's okay. but people are not going to come and knock on the door and say, hey, do you want me to buy your painting for, you know, 10,000 euros because here's the check? That's not going to happen. You have to build it yourself. And that's why I say that the most amazing artists throughout history and today are huge entrepreneurs because they actually understand that it's a business.
0: Mm, yeah, so true. Now that you've explained it, absolutely. So, Maria, throughout your most adventurous and creative life, what has been your biggest lesson learned thus far?
1: Wow, that's a big question. I don't know what's the biggest. I think that you know, I I, I think that the biggest lesson is always to preserve and protect my family and i am very proud of the family that i have built and i think that you know um no matter what that's always like my rock and my it it grounds me to to know that that they are here with me that they exist and it's extraordinarily important for me so i think that that's that's kind of always it's, it's not a lesson, but it's, it's like a reminder that if anything else fails, I'll always have my family. so that's, that's a very, that's a very important thing for me.
0: Mm, I love that. it's It is your rock, isn't it? You always go, it kind of like brings you back down to reality. I think I love that. Yes, mm. yes, yes. So, Marie, as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you, my dearest? I think it'll be creativity. Of course. Of course, creativity. (laughs) And the last question that we always love to ask is what are three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? And they could be like three practical exercises for our audience.
1: Yes. One thing I, I invite everybody is if you do want to see your ideas flourish, take every day a pen and a piece of paper. And hopefully you will have a, a large diary or notebook and spend five minutes or 10 minutes writing down longhand. You can do a stream of consciousness and just like write whatever comes to mind or you can decide on different topics and things like that. The reason is there is a very powerful connection between handwriting and the brain and, and, and the reticular activation system that focuses on uncertain on aspects of how we filter information. And when we are in the moment of writing things down on paper, we are doing that and that alone. And it's, as powerful as, as having a moment of meditation and it's because again it doesn't allow you to be distracted I mean if you want to play music and if you want to at the same time you know talk to someone then you're losing the exercise this is something for you to do everyday in silence and to see how your ideas flourish and how you put things out in paper and um, you know do it, try it for at least a month That's one thing. Uh, The other thing also has to do with silence because we are drowned in a world that is constantly sending us all these messages and social media. And you're on the street and there are billboards and you're listening to a podcast and you're talking to someone. And there is like this collective ADD, ADHD. And we all need to have moments of silence to have actually access to our creativity. So... I understand that meditation and things like that can be sometimes hard for people. And, and and I just encourage you to have a goal of five minutes to put a timer on your phone or five minutes a day where you're just going to breathe in and out for five minutes, eyes closed and try to just stay there for five minutes and, and build up from there. I know it's a challenge for many people, but I don't think that there is any sort of benefit to just like, let yourself get drowned by so much noise visual contamination pollution it's too much and i think the third thing would be to pay attention to the margins like i I said before and how do you do this is you know if you have kids see what they are doing see what they're playing see what is the new trend among you know gen z And if you do not have children, then pay attention to what's happening in groups of minorities and uh, pay close attention to that because it's, it always, almost always has ramifications that can be important to serve your business, your, your community, your clients to expand your reach and to be relevant for overall, it's, it's very important for a business to stay relevant and if you are not paying attention to those things it's hard to be
0: oh maria i like all three of them and i really love the the number three paying attention to the margins i think that's a really good one um and a bit of an eye opener for myself so maria where is the best place for our our tribe to find you
1: well if they come to mariabreeder.com my website There is a link to everything. There is a link to my online course. There is uh, a link to all my social media handles, my Instagram, my Facebook, Twitter. And there is also a uh, link to connect to my newsletter and subscribe. So you get it in your inbox every Tuesday. And you can also check all the archives of all the past issues and I promise you they are filled and with golden nuggets uh, and all sorts of super valuable information that is not only interesting, but it brings a lot of, of value to the readers.
0: And I highly recommend to our listeners to check out uh, Maria's website. We'll have that in the show notes. Talk about colorful, absolutely beautiful. And absolutely, I was actually explaining to Maria when I was going through her website and her content, there are lots of uh, shiny golden nuggets. Maria, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your oh, story pleasure. and your wealth and wisdom.
1: It's absolutely my pleasure. I am the one who's very appreciative. I know how... Early It is in Australia and I, I cannot be more thankful. I hope that whoever is listening has a wonderful and pleasant time while we are talking. And I am also very thankful for their time.
0: Thank you so very much, Maria, for your, like I said, wealth of wisdom, knowledge, time and energy. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Catherine. My pleasure. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or... Please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you, so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Katherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.